just to help us all have a good class and that we don't argue too much. <laughs> it's okay to have a difference in opinion, but uh, a calm discussion. Okay, I know there's quite a few um, first-timers. Um, so we're, we're studying a book called Vedanta Treaties, you can google it. Um, we're sort of halfway through it, but don't worry about that. You'll, you'll be able to pick things up. Um, and we have a Q&A on Wednesday, so you can always take part in that. And um, you know, slowly you'll get in, into the uh, actual subject. Can everyone turn their mics off, please? Um, when you want to participate and have something to say, then put your microphone on for because there's a lot of background noise. And it's, um, hey, who's got the mic on? Sunil? Um, Right. So um, we go through this study of this book systematically. Um, this book written by Swami Parthasati um, has written about 10 books. And um, it's the ashram that I studied in under, under his guidance. Um, we've done a few books before this already, but like I said, don't worry about it. So the, the way we do it is we systematically read through it. Um, and then we stop for any questions or any clarifications after each paragraph. Um, so a quick uh, recap from last week. We discussed what is the role of religion? What is the role of religion? Anyone? Just put your hand up and Ravi, is that you? Role of religion. Dev. Dev. Yeah, it's uh, to reunite with soul, or we can call it Reunite with the self, the soul, the Atman, the Brahman. To become one with our true personality, which we call the self, Atman, God principle. It doesn't matter what you call it. The self is the core of our personality. And it's enveloped by the material layers we call the body, the mind, and the intellect. But when we're born, we are lost in that material layers, the body, mind, intellect. We've separated from the self, from our true personality. So religions help us to regain that. So the role of a human being in this world is to go beyond our body, mind, and intellect and to reunite with the self, which is our true nature, our true personality. That is the life's goal in every human being, for every human being, whether they are aware of it or not. Yeah, that's what these great sages have said. This is your goal. 
Humans are made up of spirit and matter. Spirit is the Atman, the Supreme Self, and matter is the physical body, the mind, and the intellect. The mind is full of desires. Unfulfilled desires is what causes you agitations, suffering, sorrow, all because of unfulfilled desires. You, you analyze it and you'll find that the root cause of your suffering is unfulfilled desires. Nothing else. The mind is insatiable, can ask for anything. There's no boundary to the mind. Tomorrow it can say, I want to go to the moon. It can. Ask for anything. So we said last week that the world is constantly changing. Your physical body is constantly changing. You are no longer the child, the teenager, you're an adult. Your mind and its emotions are constantly changing. Your thoughts and the intellect, they're always changing. Your desires are always changing. And you have these unfulfilled, insatiable desires, which you need to fulfill. Where? From the world. Can all your desires be fulfilled with all these changes? So since desires are not fulfilled, there's a friction. There's a friction created which ends up as frustration, a loss of peace, anger, agitations, unhappiness. And this is the problem all humans go through in life. This is why our experience of life swings from happiness and sadness. The Atman, the self in you is changeless. It always remains the same. It is constant. Unlike, just unlike the body, mind, intellect, the Atman doesn't change. So if you remember in all your interactions in life that I am the self, then what will happen? Remember the magnet example we gave last week? What will happen if you remember in all your transactions, you are the self? Megna. And you'll be less affected by the world. Not less. Won't unaffected. Be. You'll be unaffected by anything in the world because the self is unaffected. It's only your body, your mind, your intellect that's affected, not the self. The self is our true personality. We are not this body, mind, and intellect. We are the self. So it's simple. Change your focus from the body, mind, intellect, from your material layers to the self, the Atman, the God principle within you. Change your focus. So this whole spiritual journey is to teach us how to change our focus from external to internal, from the world to within, that's it. You understand that, you practice that, you are now a spiritual person. Nothing more, nothing less.
It's as simple as that, but we complicate things due to lack of understanding. And this is what the great masters have said, these great sages. That's what's written in the Upanishads, the highest text known to man. So how do you do this? How do you do this? Anyone? Please, Nilam. You need, yeah. Have I muted myself? Sorry? Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Um, so I, for me, I personally think it's by meditation, potentially. Meditation, okay. Yeah. Fine, if that helps you to do that, then there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Any other way? How do we do that? We're so fortunate we are. How do we do this? So we can do this by learning from people who've already done this, isn't it? It's so simple for us. It's been laid down. We don't have to put too much hard work in finding out. These sages who've, swamis who've spent all their lifetimes learning about how to look within, and they've written these such high texts like the Upanishads, the Gita, which teaches us how to do that. It's like a roadmap laid out for us. We just have to follow it. But we get too involved in the world. This is the problem and it's difficult. We find it difficult. It's no one's fault. We discussed last week that our material layers, our body, mind and intellect is like a magnet. What's it attracted to? The world. So it takes a lot of effort to remove that. It takes a lot of effort. And this is the problem. But we can all do it. She said she couldn't see. We can all put, it, put in the effort and do it. Hey, Chaya, you just joined us. Could you turn your mic off, please? Oh, she's been Can we turn the mics off? Thank you. Thank you. So we can learn. We, 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 it's been laid down. We just have to follow this and put in the effort. Being constantly aware that I am the self, this is prayer. This is prayer in itself. You don't have to remember anything else. So that's what we discussed last week. Is there any questions or clarifications on, on that? We're all happy with that? We all understand? Great. Even the newcomers for the first time, if there's anything you don't understand, please feel free to question, yeah? Don't be shy. Because we only learn from questioning and there's no question that's not, not valid, yeah? So don't worry about it. This is one subject where questioning is um, uh, encouraged, yeah? Not discouraged. So we begin with today's class. So was there a question there, uh, Deepa? Okay. So we begin today's class. So those of you who have the book, uh, we're, we're beginning 
Uh, it's the second topic in chapter eight, consummation of life, meaning the purpose of life, which is what we've just identified. But this, this topic talks about it in more detail. Um, we have a Ravi reading today. Ravi, when you're ready. Okay. The consummation of life. The self is one in all living beings. There is no difference between a saint and a sinner as far as the self is concerned. The self in the saint is the self in the sinner, yet their personalities are of opposite natures. In fact, humanity comprises a variety of countless personalities. No two persons are the same. The heterogeneity is brought about by the differences in their material equipments. Their bodies, minds, and intellect differs. The one self in different equipment manifests as different beings, just as electricity being one expresses differently in the variety of electrical gadgets even of opposite natures, like heat in a heater, cold in a cooler. Thank you. So what does that paragraph say? Anyone like to uh, explain what that paragraph says? What does it say? What's it saying to us? It's saying, deep down, we're all the same. There is no difference between any of us. The self, the Atman, the enlivening factor is the same in all beings. So why, do, why are we all different? Why are we all different? Dev. The choices we make. Choices we make. Okay, yeah. Emma. Because of our vastness. Of our vastness. By the way, vastness means desires, yeah? We're all born with a certain amount of vastness, desires, which we exhaust throughout our lifetime. This is what propels our life. So reaching the self, reaching self-realization means you've eliminated all your desires, all your vastness. God plus desires is a human being. Human being minus desires is God. So the whole idea is to remove your vastness, your desires. Everyone's desires and vastness are different. Hammer's completely, absolutely right. They're, everyone's vastness are different. That's why we're all different people. Anything else? 11. Our same desires as well. You're saying desires as well. Okay. Anybody else? So desires manifest as our physical personality, our body, mind, intellect. This is our physical personality. We all have different behaviors. We one can be a criminal, a murderer, a 
terrorist. Another person can be a priest from the same family. We're all different. Our intellects are different, our minds are different. You know how we say DNA? It's different for every human being. Their DNA is different. Even a set of twins from the same mother, different. Different personalities. So he gives the example of electricity. Electricity is the same in all gadgets, but depending on the gadget, it has a different expression. They can say the gadget represents a person's personality, but electricity is the same in all the gadgets. For a heater, it gives heat. For an air conditioning unit, it gives cold. For a blue bulb, it expresses a blue light, a red, red light. But the electricity is the same, but the expression is different. So similarly, the self, the Atman, is the same in all beings. The expression of a person is dependent on their material layers, their individual vasanas, desires. And they can even be opposite, like good and bad, saint or sinner, but the self is the same. Is that clear? Any questions, clarifications? Yeah, so we all know why we're different, yeah? Different, deep inside, we're all the same. Great. Ravi, paragraph two. Your focus of attention is ever upon your body, mind, and intellect. Your perception and action, emotion and thought, whereby you experience heterogeneity, diversity in the world, that causes friction, frustration. People become adversaries to combat with. Your mind remains agitated. To find harmony, therefore, you shift your focus of attention to the self, the spiritual core of beings. You will recognize a homogeneity everywhere. Your mind turns peaceful and happy. So it's just what we just said. Because we identify with the external vestures, the external coverings, which is the body, mind, and intellect of individuals. We, we identify with their physical actions, their thoughts, their emotions. That's why we see everyone different. That's why we see everyone different from us. When you meet someone, you see them as different because of your identification. You make a judgment if they're a friend or if they're an enemy. We, can, we may even fight with them. I don't like him. I don't like her. Looks a bit shady. You see how she looks. Look at their hair. Look how many tattoos they've got. They identify with their body. I heard, he was, I heard he's cruel. Uh, guys, microphone people, please. I heard he's cruel. Gets very angry. Not a nice person. 
very emotional, so identifying with their mind. He, he or she is an intellectual dunce, stupid, cannot think or reason. You're identifying with their intellect. So you remain agitated by people because they don't fit your criteria is what is a good person. Yeah? You're seeing them, their physical personality, and then you judge them. But what they're saying is, move your focus from that and focus on the self within them, which is the same as within you. Then where's the difference? Would there be a difference if you identify with their self that is within you? Will there be a difference then? Anyone? Just asking because I just want to make sure you guys stay awake. <laughs> so if you identify with their self, would there be any difference between you and them? Would it matter if they're your friend or your enemy? No. You wouldn't? No. Would, would you be agitated by their actions? No. Initially, yes, but then you think a little bit and then say, actually, no, they're the same as me. No, I'm not agitated. Initial reaction will be yes. Takes that a little bit of time to change the focus. It's not instant. Sorry? Ravi, did you have a question? So this is the problem in life. We're agitated because of our lack of identification. And it's not our fault. We're, we're brought up in this way. You know, uh, um, our environment is such, our conditioning is such, you know, we're, made, we're, we're, we're sort of taught how to think based on society. We're not promoted to think independently. And these are the problems. You have to start thinking out of the box. So there's no difference between you or any other person if there is an awareness of the self in them as the same self within you. No agitations. You understand they have bad vastness. They don't have the same guidance as you've had. The same upbringing as you've had. Who knows, if you were in their shoes and had the same upbringing, the same guidance, you would have been a bad person as well. So is it their fault? See, this is how you reason and think when someone is behaving in a bad way. You feel sorry for them. Any clarifications? Any questions? So as I say, always say to, people, to members of the class, if ever you're agitated or if you're uh, uncomfortable or you're unhappy, whose fault is it? Emma, whose fault is it? My own. <laughs> Your own. Everyone blame Emma, yeah? For <laughs> yourself. Yourself. 
If you're agitated, you can only blame yourself, nobody else. Remember that. It'll take you out of a lot of trouble in a lot of situations. It's my fault. The argument of your partner, my fault. Yeah. So you only have to develop yourself. And if there's only a single single partner here watching and being part of this class, you'll be uh, acting differently with your partner who's not here, and they'll be thinking, "Wow, oh, these classes are really developing you." <laughs> Go tomorrow. <laughs> You're no longer angry at me. All right. Next paragraph. In the past. Palaces in India had rooms with mirrors all over in their inner walls. The decorated king wanted to look at himself before his appearance in public. He would view his reflections to ensure that his decoration was proper. Once, the palace dog entered the mirror room. It saw so many dogs all around. Bewildered and terrified, it barked at them, scampered about, pounced on them, so did those dogs, fuss, jumping, barking and biting. The poor animal collapsed on the floor. This has been the sad plight of human beings. In your ignorance, you see the things of the world as different, opposed to you. You develop animosity, bitterness, hatred towards the world, and suffer mental strain and stress. You must therefore learn to recognize your own self reflected everywhere. As the king saw himself in his reflections, the self that enlivens your material equipment is the same that enlivens all other thing, beings. Thus, do you develop an attitude of friendship, harmony, and love towards the world at large? A feeling of oneness with all beings. Who'd like to explain that paragraph? Anyone? Any volunteers? Gonna make me do all the work today. Ravi. Where I translated the ignorant person, or in this case, the dog, he's seeing his reflection as being unknowledgeable. He's seeing all these reflections as um, ex other personalities, other beings, instead of the self, where the king who's educated can identify that the reflection is of himself. So you're looking within yourself. Okay, yeah. Anybody else? So in these palaces, in the, you may have seen them on TV, in some programs or movies, they have this room. Mirrors on the ceiling, on the floor, on the sides. So the king would go in there and check that his clothing is looking good, you know, everywhere around. The back, the front, the top, his hairstyle, everything is fine before he goes out to meet his public. And once he's happy, then he goes out. So the dog went in there by accident. And the dog doesn't know that it's a reflection. So he sees different dogs. 
sees a room full of dogs. So he starts shout, he starts barking at them and going a bit crazy, thinking, who are all these dogs, other dogs in, in this room? And he starts jumping and soon he starts pouncing and gets tired. So this is the point they're making is that this is what's happening to us. We get agitated, we get tired because we don't identify with everyone with the self. We identify with everyone as individual people. When you do that, when you identify with everyone, there's a oneness. We are all the same. There's no demarcation that we're different. You identify with that Atman in all, there's a oneness with all human beings and all animals. You identify with animals as well as being the same, living by that same Atman. And this produces love and harmony within you. It makes you become a more better person. It helps you to develop your own personality. It causes you, it, it creates peace and happiness within you. Why? Why does it create peace and happiness within you? Deepa. If you identify with the self in others, you see that you won't feel any um, hatred or any uh, anything against them. So you will feel more at peace yourself. No agitations within you. Mm. Happiness is cessation of agitations. Everyone's looking for happiness. Happiness means no agitations. When you're agitated, you're unhappy. When there's no agitation, when there's no agitations, you're happy. That's as simple as that. Nothing more, nothing less. Cessation of agitations creates happiness. When you see everyone as the same as you, no matter how they behave, what they're doing, it doesn't agitate you. And when you're not agitated, you're happy. And life's journey for all of us is to find peace and happiness. No matter what you're doing in life, no matter what you buy, what, whatever actions you perform, the end goal is that you're looking for peace and happiness, nothing more, nothing less. You analyze it. The bottom line is that. Any clarifications? No questions? Great. Um, is it Megna, is it yourself? Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Ravi. The sun above is all light. But on earth, people experience day and night. Likewise, the Atman, the Supreme Self, is all blissful. Yet you go through the cycle of joy and sorrow. The source of these diverse experiences is your inner self. You have lost sight of yourself. Your attention and interest is upon the world. You experience the day of pleasure and the night of pain. 
You must regain your identity with the self, your unity with God, the supreme reality. Utilize your equipments and the world to transcend them all and reach your original being. The abode of absolute peace and bliss. Into that state of being, all physical pleasure, emotional joy, and intellectual rapture dissolve. That is the culmination of human life. That's it. What is the nature of the world? Anyone? What is the nature of the world? We're all experiencing the world. We all contact the world. What is the nature of the world? Magna. The opposites. Opposite. Pairs of opposites. Yeah. Examples? Um, day and night, happy and sad. Yeah. Big Anyone else? Ravi? Seasons, ever-changing. The continued seasons, the four seasons. Yeah, four seasons. You, you stay in nice hotels, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> I was just going to say the same. It's um, constantly changing. Constantly changing. Evolving. Evolving. Or devolving. The way we're treating it. Anything else? You're all right, by the way. Shilavin? It, it can be destructive as well. Destructive as well? But the world doesn't destroy itself, we destroy it. The nature of the world... We have natural disasters, isn't it? Destruction. Yeah. Because it, it needs to evolve, that's why it's destructive. Yeah, okay, very good. Anything else? So we all agree the nature of the world is pairs of opposites. We don't know we can't all experience the, uh, uh, the light. We only know light because we experience darkness. If there's only light, we wouldn't know there was such thing as darkness. We all understand what happiness is only because we've experienced sorrow. We can't only have happiness. We only know good because of bad. Honor because of dishonor. So we can all agree that this is the nature of the world. And if it wasn't pairs of opposites, it wouldn't be the world. Correct? We can all come to that conclusion that this is the description of how the world is. So we can't say why is there so many good, bad people and very few good people. Because there's, if there was only good people, it wouldn't be the world. It's made of pairs of opposites. We, but we all, we all are affected and suffer by these pairs of opposites. Because we're all very different. One person only likes hot, another prefers cold. Everyone's likes and dislikes are different. Everyone's individual needs are different. The world cannot cater to that. You have to experience the good with the bad. 
But what do we all want? We only want it to be good. We only want it to be in a certain way. How we perceive the world. We want the world to be how we perceive it, how our mind perceives it. If it's not like that, we're not happy. Isn't it? Why is it raining? It's rained for five days. You're miserable. Why is it so hot? It's not, no rain for a week. My poor plants, what they, what's going to do? What's going to happen to them? This is how it is. In, in India, they have specific seasons. Yeah. On particular week or day in that month, it changes seasons. And that's it. No, it changes from uh, um, rainy season to uh, hot, uh, summer. There's no rain for three months, guaranteed. In this country, it's, uh, we don't know if you can have four seasons in a day. So what it's saying is that the world cannot cater to our needs. That's why we're always agitated. If you shift your focus to the self within, you understand this is how the world is. This is how the universe is. This is its nature. So it's saying that if you identify with the sun, the sun cannot identify with darkness or night because it's, it's always bright. The sun is always bright. He doesn't know what darkness is. The sun doesn't know what is darkness. The sun is always light, bright. Similarly, if you identify with the self, the Atman, you're free, you're unaffected by the pairs of opposites. Why, anyone? Yeah, Deepa. Because you know even this shall pass away. Even this, that's a cop-out. <laughs> even this shall pass away. Absolutely true. Nilam? Is it also because the self is unchanging? Unchanging, yes, absolutely. Absolutely right. One other thing. One other thing. Is it because um, there are no opposites when everyone's the If everyone's the self, everyone's the same. Everyone's the same, absolutely. The main thing is that the self is not affected by the world. It's beyond the world. The self is beyond the world. It doesn't, it doesn't matter what the world is. The self is unaffected. You know, if you, as you go deeper into understanding the subjects, we actually realize everything is the same. This whole world is the self. We just not, we don't realize it, that's all. That's like going deeper in the book. But when you get there, you'll actually realize everything is Brahman. You, the world, everything is one. There is no difference. But we can't think at that level at the moment. The self is unaffected because it's beyond the world. 
If we unite with the self, we will not be affected by anything in the world. This is the goal of all human life. See, if you identify with that, you are a happy, peaceful, blissful all the time, because that's the nature of the, the self. You'll always be happy. It's deep, it's a deep thing, deep thought. But with the right effort, you can actually get there. Just takes time and effort. Any questions? Utilize your equipments and the world to transcend them all and reach your original being, the abode of absolute peace and bliss. This is what we're all looking for. Abode of absolute peace and bliss. Right now, everything agitates us. All physical pleasure, emotional joy, intellectual rapture dissolve. This is the culmination of human life. This is the goal of life. Your question? Sil's got a question. Can you, can you explain what you mean by the self is beyond the world? Because we're in the world. Hmm. Did, did everyone hear that? Can she ask if I can, if I can explain how come the self is beyond the world? No, that, that, not how come, but what it means by, because you're saying, if I focus on the self, then I'm not affected by the world because the self is beyond the world. Mm -hmm. But if the world is the self, yeah. how can I go beyond? So the self is, what we're trying to, what I mean by that is the self is not affected by the pairs of opposites. Yeah. This is what I actually mean, is the, the self is not affected by the world, by the pairs of opposites. So therefore, if you identify with the self within you, then you are no longer affected because you have an understanding of what the world is. If there's a bad person, you understand that I've met a good person this morning, now I've met a bad person. Hmm, the world is made of pairs of opposites. You understand that, so you're not affected if you identify with the self. But the self in them is the same in me. So the self isn't affected by the world's pairs of opposites. It's not affected by hot or cold. This is why. That's what I mean by beyond the world. Any other clarifications? Questions. So you see how just by changing our focus from external to internal, how our life can change. And it's, and it's in everyone's capacity to do so. Just with the right knowledge, guidance, you can do that. Even one little step and it can bring you peace and happiness, one area of your life. You have to experiment with it. This subject, you've got to experiment with it. You can't just have it on the top of your head, know the knowledge. You have to experiment with it. Try it. Try it with your partner. Try it with your kids. Try it with your work colleagues. So experiment. Any clever questions, clarifications? So, 
in the paragraph it says utilize your equipment yeah and the world to transcend them or you reach your original being yeah can you speak out of it because they can't hear you so what are my equipment can you repeat the question in the paragraph you've put utilize it says utilize your equipment uh, and the world to transcend them all and reach your original being I'm asking, what, what are my equipments? Guys, who can answer? Who can help self answer that question? She's asking, um, utilize your equipments and the world to transcend them all and reach your original being. Nikisha? Who can help her? How do we use that? How do you use our equipment? In fact, what else can we, what else do we have to use? To, to use? What other equipments do we have? What equipments do we have? That's body, mind, intellect. Body, mind, intellect. We can only use the equipments we have. Body, mind, intellect, that is our physical personality. We have knowledge. We have the knowledge and understanding of the world, which we're just discussing. It's made of pairs of opposites. Knowledge that the world cannot bring you peace. It not, cannot bring you happiness. As we said last week, there is no happiness in the world. But we, we believe there's happiness in the world. Discrimination, not this. This is not going to bring me happiness. This is temporary. Everything in the world is temporary. You cannot rely on anything in the world if you think about it. There's nothing you can rely on in the world that will give you permanent happiness. Nothing. Not your kids, not your partner, not your job, not your bank balance, not your name, nothing you can rely on to bring you the happiness you're looking for. But we all believe that it will, don't we? All of us here believe it. It's not our fault. We all believe it will. So, Using our equipments means discriminating, discriminating the fact that this is not what I'm looking for. And that awareness, it's all temporary. Even this shall pass away. You are happy now. Trust me, even this shall pass away. Unhappiness is around the corner. But then happiness will be around the corner after that. This is how it is. So it's, it's understanding what life is. And then you're using your equipments to, to, trans, is it? Uh, to transcend them all and reach an original being. Remember we said it's a transformation, just like when you're in deep sleep and you wake up. It's a transformation from the sleeper to the waker. Sleeper doesn't have any idea of the waker. Only when you wake up from the dream, you realize that this is a different person. I am a waker now. In the dream, you have no idea who you were, who you really are, which is the waker. So you can only transcend from the dream to the waking world. Similarly, you can only transcend from this waking world to the fourth state, which we call moksha, self-realization state of all bliss and happiness. We can only transcend from that. 
and Nilam mentioned meditation. That is the last process to transcend from the waking world, the fourth state. You have last couple of desires left. You've eliminated all your desires. You meditate and there's a transformation happens. If you're ready for it, that's when we become one with the fourth state, the self. And the people who have reached that state are the people who have written these books. And we're learning from their experiences. Does that answer your question? So, yeah, she's not sure. Okay, ask me privately later. <laughs> Any other clarifications? Uh, Shashi. Just wanted to ask um, who is Vishal? And what is the big deal about that Vishal also passed away? It seems like a private joke. Even that the no, it's called, it's a poem, an English poem. Right. Even this shall pass away. And I think someone brought it up on Wednesday, and we're, maybe we'll go through it on Wednesday. Yeah, Wednesday's class, okay. we'll, we'll recite that poem. So everyone's on the same page. It's an English poem that we've, we've studied in the past. Which, okay. Which, and, and, and the crux of it is, even this shall pass away, meaning that if you understand that, then nothing will agitate you because you know that this is going to change. Okay. Yeah, so it's not a private joke. No, but it's referenced quite a few times now over the last few weeks. And uh, for those of us that are in the dark, it makes you wonder like, that means what about this shall pass away? <laughs> no, even this shall pass away. So they're all remembering that as a guidance yeah. mm -hmm. life. Okay, look forward to uh, you sharing it on Wednesday. Last, we'll do that. No Thank problem. you. Okay. Any other questions? Good point, Sashi. Thank you for bringing that up. Any other clarifications? Okay. Megna. People the world over do not realize their real worth the absolute state of being that lies within them, the infinite happiness of the self. They, are disregard, they, are dis, they have discarded the nectar of divinity within and are trying to find peace and happiness in the world. All the pleasure and joy derived from the world would not be worth a drop in the ocean of bliss within your own self. It is a blunder you commit in courting outward objects and beings. Judas Iscariot sold Christ for 30 pieces of silver. So have you sold your Christ within for the shadows of pleasure and the joy in the world. You ought to be wiser than that. You owe, your own self has it all. Seek within. In the Vedic text, Genopanishad, the guru deplores this grave blunder of humanity. He cries out, he who does not realize the self here in his lifetime suffers immeasurable loss. There you have it. We get to the crux of this topic now. True happiness is within, but due to our lack of knowledge and our understanding, we look for it in the world. There is no comparison. 
See, it's like, um, it's funny actually, I just used this example with uh, Rishi, my son, this morning while we went for a walk. You, give, you offer a child, a five-year-old, a 50-pound note in one hand and a lollipop on another hand. What is the child going to take? The lollipop. Lollipop. Why? Because it's going to make him happy at that time. He doesn't understand the value of the 50 pounds. His ignorance of the value of 50 pounds. Yeah. Instant joy, instant pleasure. This is exactly what we are doing. This is saying. We want instant pleasures, instant joy, because lack of understanding, lack of knowledge. We do not understand our true value. We are worth so much, he's saying. And since we don't know our true worth, we go begging for petty things in the world. Wealth, I want to be rich. Name, I want to, everyone to know me. I want to be famous, millions of followers on Instagram, Facebook. Those things make us happy these days. I want to be powerful. You know who I am? Those things bring you joy. It's like we have millions in our bank, but we don't know and we behave like paupers. This is what he's saying. We're rich, but we don't know that we're rich. He's saying no amount of pleasure in the world can compare to the wealth and happiness that is within you. You just have to look for it. See, these great sages, they weren't crazy. I mean, they chose, some of them were well-off, come from well-off families. They left everything and went into a cave to meditate. Why would they do that? Why would they do that? You know, the intelligent people, why would they do that? If It's because they realized what we're just talking about. They realized that this has no meaning. And that's why they went and tried to find the, help, the, the, the happiness we're looking for from within. And once they found that, you can give them anything you want. They'll say, neti, neti, don't want it, don't want it. No amount of wealth, pleasure, can compare to the wealth and happiness is within. So they're saying we must use this opportunity we have. Since we're born as a human being, that is our goal, is to reunite with the self. It's our birthright. It's our birthright. An animal can't do it. Only a human being can do it. If not, then this life is wasted. This is what he's saying. He cries out, he who does not realize the self here in his lifetime suffers immeasurable loss. You have to come back again. Who knows then if you can do it or not. So don't waste this time, he's saying, through discrimination, discriminating the world, happiness, the peace in the world. Think about it, experiment with it. Any clarifications?
Okay, I thought at this stage people might be nodding off, so I've got a story to tell. People like stories. Yeah, take your sip of coffee or tea, what you're drinking. So there's a story of this old man, some of you may have heard it, living in the outskirts of a village. And now every day this person, this old man, he has got a big boulder and he spends six hours in the day from the morning pushing this boulder up the hill. And then when he gets to the top, he releases it and lets it roll down and he starts laughing. <laughs> so every day he does this. So this villagers thought this guy's mad. He became like a tourist attraction. Neighboring villagers came over to see this madman. They found it amusing. What is this guy doing? Taking his boulder up all day, spending six hours in the heat, and then only to release it and laugh. What, what, what must he find from that? What enjoyment he must be finding from that? So this group of men turn up one day. They've been going around from village to village look, looking for this sage, this old man that has left their ashram. So they come to this village and they say, have you seen this person, this height, this age, this complexion? They give the description. The villagers say, there's no one here of that description, but there is this person on the outskirts of our village. I don't think it's him you're looking for because he's a bit mad. So the men say, take, take us to him. Villagers say, you see, this person is a mad person. This is what he does all day. They take him there and they, they show this guy taking the boulder up in the heat, spending hours and then releasing it. You see, it can't be this guy, he's crazy. When the old man came down, the men prostrated to him. Oh Guruji, at last we found you. Why did you leave us? We are lost without you. Come, come back to the ashram with us. These villagers, they thought, what's going on? Who is this guy? So the man explained to the villagers, you see what he's doing? Six hours to take the boulder up the hill, meaning, how many reincarnations through many life forms before you get this life born as a human being? How many times, how many births we have to take before you're born as a human being? So much effort to take the boulder up the top. So, so long before you had this birth. And then he releases from the top laughing, ha ha ha, meaning you fools, you're wasting your life on these silly things for simple pleasures and joy. You sacrifice the higher for these lower petty things, these indulgence of the world. You give up this golden opportunity to fulfill your purpose as a human being. This is what he means by this act. Then all the villagers prostrated to him, sorry Swamiji, we didn't understand what you meant, you know, and then they took him back. So this is exactly what this verse is trying to portray, to prove. See, if you think about it, how many human beings are there in the world compared to other living beings? Insects, animals, bacteria, 
There must be more bacteria in our rooms than there is human beings in the world. Seven billion? We must be like less than half a percent of all other beings in the world, all other creatures in the world. 0.001% or something. So to be born a human being is a gift. It's the highest form. And they're saying we're wasting it. Strive to, be, to fulfill your purpose as a human being. This is what he's saying. Any questions, clarifications? Okay, Megna. A prince went to a hermitage to pay his respects to a sage. He prostrated before the holy man. The sage promptly rose and prostrated to the prince. The prince was bewildered. He recoiled and pleaded, Oh master, how could you do such a thing? The sage asked in turn, why did you prostrate to me? Because you're a man of renunciation, rejoined the prince. You have given up this world, which we are all running after. You have attained godhood. The sage softly inquired, which do you consider superior of the two, world or God? God, of course, the prince replied. Then, do you realize, continued the sage, I have only renounced the world, but you have renounced God. Who has demonstrated greater renunciation? The prince woke up to the reality of life as soon, and soon realized the absurdity of the worldly pursuits. So should you. Get to the real source of peace and happiness within you. Realize the divinity of yourself. The entire world pales into insignificance. You have reached the state of enlightenment. William Cowper extols this state in his poem, The Solitude of Alexander Selkirk. I am monarch of all I survey. My right there is none to dispute. Did you understand that paragraph? So did everyone understand that paragraph? Megna, can you explain that paragraph? Um, I was going to say, I don't really no. get the point where he says, I've renounced the world, but you have renounced God. Great. Okay, no worries. Anybody else? I just want to see where, uh, where everyone, the understanding. You're right, Megna, I'm going to explain that point. So, what, is, what does renunciation mean, first of all? Renunciation means you have risen up from something with lower values and taken up something of higher values. Yeah? You're reading a novel. Now you're reading spiritual books. You've taken up something higher values. You're watching uh, horror movies. Now you're watching documentaries. You've taken up something higher. I'm just trying to explain in a way that you'd understand. 
you, you normally sleep late, but now you want to study in the morning. So you've gone to bed early so you can wake up higher values. So this is renunciation. You can, no one can give up anything. You can only take up something higher. When you take up something higher, the lower falls away. This is the law of life. You cannot give up anything unless you're ready to. And it's only when you take up a higher, you can give that up. So, what he's saying is that a prince went to a sage to pay respects to the sage. And he prostrated, as you would, to a holy man. But the sage got up and prostrated to the prince. And the prince was taken back by that. And he said, Master, what are you doing? How could you do such a thing? So the sage said, why did you prostrate to me? He said, because you're a man of renunciation. You have given up this world that we're all running after. You've attained that state that we're all meant to. So the sage said, which, which do you consider superior to the world or God? Which do you consider superior, guys, world or God? What do you, what do you consider as higher? Magna? I say God. God. So we consider God to be higher than the world, yes? So the sage said, who has given up more? You or me? I should prostrate to you. You have given up God. I've only given up the world. The sage said, I've only given up the world, but you've given up God. Who has renunciated more? Does that make sense, Magna? Okay. Who has given up more? The prince or the sage? I have only renounced the world, but you have renounced God. You have demonstrated greater renunciation than me. Hence the sage prostrated to the prince. So the prince woke up and soon realized the silliness of his worldly pursuits. Any questions? That's the end of our class, by the way. There's a lot to take in today. Any questions or clarifications? Any general questions? Talking about um, how children get happy and sad at the same time, how do you start developing these thoughts into children or with children? Like, so, you know, when they're angry, how to take them out of that anger or a tantrum? Because at that time, we also get angry and we have adult tantrums with them. So when you come into that realization that I'm not supposed to be angry with him, how do we, because we, we need that transformation, not only on one side, but both sides. So how do you start off with children at a young age? Well, first of all, who's the adult? 
parent. I would say myself. The parent is the adult. Yeah. So who has greater understanding? The parent. And if they have greater understanding, they will understand that a child's is, behavior is such. Child, they are led by their mind until they're 12, 13. Yeah. See, until a child is 11, he will follow whatever you say. Eat your food. Yes, mama. Don't do that. Yes, mama. Go to sleep. Yes, mama. By the time the intellect kicks in, which is about 12, 13, they'll say, why, mama? Why should I eat my food? Why should I go to bed at nine o'clock? Why should I do this? Why should I do that? Yeah, now they're thinking. My mom's telling me what to do. I want to know why. See, this is the difference. Before, they're only led by their mind. You can control their mind because you have an intellect. You think, you understand, and they will listen to you. But the minute their intellect kicks in, they will be questioning why. And you should be, um, you know, you should understand that. And when, you, when the intellect kicks in and they say, why? That you now are the parent. If you don't understand, if you don't have any knowledge, how can you guide them? You have to then be able to say to them, that this is why. It's for your own benefit. This will happen to you. If you get angry, then people cannot understand the language of anger. Yeah. The minute you get angry, it goes past person's head. You reason, you sit down and talk to them, there are chances that they may understand. So this is how we have to approach it. See, it's very important to understand this intellect kicks in at a certain age. And that's when they start. See, you still want them to be like 11-year-old, not ask any questions. But now, you know, they, even in certain religions at certain age, they have these uh, ceremonies because their intellect is now kicked in. They are now a man. They're now thinking for themselves. But we as a parent, we don't want them to think in certain areas. It's not possible. You know, even with religions and faiths, you know, we educate our children more than we are. And then we say, follow this. Why? Because you should. Why? We don't have the answer. We don't want them to think. But we've educated them to think. How is that possible? How can you educate them to think, put them in private schools, and then not ask questions? How is that possible? It's unreasonable expectations from our side. This is a problem. As Hema said earlier, any issues, any problems in your life, it's your fault. Lack of understanding, lack of assessment, lack of knowledge. Don't, what you can do is develop yourself the child will develop itself with your guidance if you developed, if you have understanding. A very good question, Shalom. Any other clarifications? Any other questions? Meghna. Just that poem at the end, if you don't mind clarifying. Yeah. So um, it's a I think it's one of the poems in a poems book. I can't recall it. But I think what it means is that once you reach that state, you become master of everything. Nothing faces you. You understand all about life. 
about beings, the whole world, the universe. You are the master of, your, of everything. That's what it means. My right is none to dispute. No one can question me. Because I've reached that state. I know the truths of life, the meaning of life. No one can question you. You've reached that state. The poem may not reflect and talk about that, but as a abstract, we can take it to mean that in this context. See, if you read the poem, it may not be anything spiritual, but that statement means that you reach that state where you're in control of everything, nothing affects you. Uh, and you can put your which poem is it? It's called The Solitude of, Alan Solitude of Alexander Selkirk. I have, whoever's got the full works books, just check in the poems list if it's in there. Yeah, it may be. In is there. it this one? Yeah. Just check. It may be in there. Uh, it may not be. Um, or it may just be an abstract um, quote taken from somewhere by Swamiji. It's and not in this book. No, so it's an abstract quote taken from uh, by Swamiji. Okay. That's why I don't remember reading that poem, but as a statement, that's what it would mean. Yeah. Is that okay, Meghna? Any other questions, clarifications? Everyone good? Everyone got a headache? So Wednesday, Q&A will uh, take up um, that poem, especially the, the people who have not heard it before, please come along. It's a very, insp very inspiring poem, actually. And um, if you get the, the deep message that's ingrained in it, it will help you go through life, through all your troubles, especially. It's, uh, it's very, very um, good. Uh, I have a statement to that every weekend. Thank you. So, any other questions? Great. 